What's up, fitness fam? It's your host, Dion, also known as Active Gamer, Andrew, also known as Caveman Barbell, and Phil, Yash Training. We are here talking about different gym and training environments, fad diets, diet plans, and workouts for us, and also eating for how you train. Uh, so today, let's have Phil kick us off with different gyms and training environments. So I have worked out in probably maybe almost 10 different gyms. I've, uh, you know, in the past few years, I've lived in a good number of different cities. I've worked out in small gyms, uh, you know, where the owner just like sits at the desk all day. And I've worked out in, you know, LA Fitness, 24-hour fitnesses. And uh, there's, there's so much to be said for like the culture of a different gym can enhance your training. It can make you feel better. It can make going to the gym uh you know a better part of your day you know if you're someone who doesn't really care as much about that then it's not as big of a deal to be going to like a la fitness or a 24-hour fitness and you know for the months that i was doing that it was you know it gets the job done usually they have a lot of equipment but one of those you know real good crew gyms where it's like you know everyone's you know they see that you're going for a hard lift and people start cheering and then you get to the top and people are clapping i mean you know, you can't get that in uh, some of those big corporate gyms. And uh, I do I do miss some of the gyms I used to train at. There's a, you know, there's a different culture, whether, you know, you're looking for uh, like powerlifting style gyms or, you know, I belonged to a gym in Albany for a while that a uh, large portion of the members were uh, runners like I am. So, you know, we would lift together and then sometimes we would go for group runs together, which, you know, it's, it's something that you... Uh, you can't get anywhere. It's a, it's a completely different world, one gym to the next. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I could talk forever about this. I, I've worked in multiple gyms. I pro- yeah, like throughout the course of my training, uh, my undergrad, you know, I even think of like collegiate level gyms, just like the different atmosphere that you have, mm-hmm. being on sports teams and even going way back to high school. Um, I agree with you when you were saying like the s- specific gyms kind of, fulfill a specific niche uh to what you're doing and i I believe you have to kind of along with setting your goals as uh in fitness you have to kind of choose a gym that that correlates with the goals that you have like i worked at planet fitness and for some people they went to planet fitness you know like it was for the no judgment free zone you know they felt safe and comfortable there but there was actually more people who use planet fitness for the convenience of having multiple gyms in multiple locations because they traveled a lot so they they knew that no matter where they went they had a secure place to exercise because a lot of hotel gyms might not have the equipment that you need at least you know there's a specific amount of equipment and it's universal throughout all of the planet fitnesses and that was like a big thing for a lot of people. And that kind of went for someone's goal who just want to stay in shape and stay healthy during that time. Well, I've been in a lot of gyms like where in college, when you're training with your, your friends or your, your peers or your, um, your fellow athletes, it's a different type of vibe. You get, you get that, like you said, the clapping and the cheering. And if you're going for a PR, everyone kind of stops what they're doing and they look at you and they, they're asking you like, Hey, you got this. They're pushing you. They're trying to make you do a lot more than what you think you're capable of. So it, it definitely goes with goal specific. If you're trying to be a power lifter, maybe you shouldn't go to a gym that there's a lot of bodybuilders at, you know, you might not be getting that same type of motivation. You might not see the same type of people. And that's not saying that you can't train at any gym because you can train at whatever gym. If it's a proximity thing, you can train there. But I, I believe that different gyms have a specific group of people that, that work out there like I've been to multiple gyms too, where there was a powerlifting gym and it was like, I'm doing a lot of body weight exercises, but people are doing heavy deadlifts, heavy squats. The, even the equipment that they had was specific to their gym. And that's probably something that you two might've come across with like CrossFit gyms. <laughs> you go in there and you're looking for a barbell um, and, or not a barbell, you're looking for a bench and they don't have that. They have just, you know, bars and pull-up bars and um, Olympic rings and stuff. And, it might not fit what your goal is. So if you're a power lifter, you might not want to go to a CrossFit gym. If you're trying to do CrossFit, you might not want to go to a Planet Fitness. Uh, so it, as a trainer, it does it does mean a lot to pick a gym that can work for you. But if you have a trainer 
they can pretty much make anything work. So <laughs> I know, I know for me, I've trained at multiple places where there's limited equipment. You just be creative and make it work. Yeah, I feel like along with that, what you guys said, especially Dion, because you said you worked at a Planet Fitness. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't a trainer at Planet Fitness, but I worked as like a, a nighttime janitor. And so I got a free membership out of it. And when it was convenient, I'd work out there. And I noticed a lot of people took it as more of a, it's like a bar. You know, you go to a bar to hang out and meet new people and have fun and you do what you like to do, which is drink alcohol. You got the yeah. people who go to a gym not to work out and better themselves, but to go meet new people and find people with like-minded ideas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like I used to work at the YMCA. The YMCA is a little bit more of a, I don't want to call it a country club. Cause I mean, I know obviously there's a lot of different YMCAs, but the YMCA that in our, our hometown, you have a middle-aged population, typically white, who just go to the gym because it's convenient and they have their friend group there, you know? But then like you were saying, Phil and Dion, you have those powerlifting gyms, you have the CrossFit boxes, you have a lot of homegrown studios that offer their own thing. And if you're really looking for like more of a niche, then I think those are definitely the places you want to go. And those are definitely the places you're going to get the best quality. But if you kind of just want to go for a general fitness, you know, I would say your commercial gym's not that bad. But once you go to a commercial gym, kind of go through that beginner stages and figure out what you like to do, that's when you kind of have to go to a, you know, a lesser known gym for sure. Yeah, and that's how I felt with um, when I used to work at, like we said, I used to work at a bunch of gyms. I worked at a college gym. Um, my favorite place, honestly, was to work at a local gym to our hometown, Fit Happens. and it was a weird it had like a weird vibe and environment because it wasn't like you went there to be a power lifter you didn't go there to be a bodybuilder you didn't go to their train it was everything kind of encompassed in the one and everybody was a family like you would know the person because there'd be like at times three people just hanging out in the gym all working on separate things but you would still know what their goals were and that i haven't kind of gotten that same feel at another gym in a long time like i've been to places like Callus Fitness in Buffalo, where there's 80 people in the gym at one time. There's no no equipment free. You're like waiting in line to get to get a specific piece of equipment. I've worked and been in places where you're the only one in the gym, and that specific place that happens that, that to me was kind of like the environment that I enjoyed. Everyone knew each other. You pushed each other to work on your goals, but you weren't working on like the same thing. You weren't really in competition. Um, was I going to be the best the best soccer player because of that? Probably not. You know, I, I would probably have to go to a place where there's other soccer players. So I would have that kind of internal competition to drive myself to to want to work harder. And that's where I think if once you kind of hone in on your goals, you have to find a place like that. But that was a place that I enjoyed, like starting up like, and being involved in just having that type of family, everyone wanting you to be better, but not so much as being your competition. No, I agree with you. And the cool thing about Fit Happens, like you said, it isn't a niche type gym. You know, you have everyone doing different things. There's people who are doing CrossFit. There's a lot of bodybuilders that fit. Um, there's powerlifters too, though. There's the people that go to the half court and just play basketball. You got the women who just go for the spin classes. Like you have so many people going there, but everyone in our area knows fit is pretty much the place to be. If you want to get serious about working out and have people treat you right, then fit happens is, is, is that gym, man. I think that place owes us a sponsorship now. Mention them like every episode. <laughs> I was about to say, I think it's the third episode that we've mentioned Fit Happens. Yeah. <laughs> we should, right? We'd be like, hey, I want like $2 an episode. There's something to consider for like, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into, you know, when you're uh, considering like what gym you're going to go to. You know, when I uh, moved to Houston uh, two and a half years ago, two years ago, uh, the apartment complex that I was living in had a gym. And when I, you know, first heard that from the leasing office, I was like, that's really cool. And I went in and they had treadmills, which was cool because, you know, sometimes it was, you know, bad weather, couldn't run outside. Uh, and they had dumbbells up to 50 pounds. And then like one of those all in one cable machines. Uh, and that was it. Oh, and <laughs> when I uh, when I trained in the gym, uh, pretty much for the past, like, four years i've been focusing mostly on you know just like powerlifting type stuff my my uh my training is like running and lifting like that uh but they didn't have any barbells they didn't have anything like that so i was like okay i gotta find a gym now so i was 
living in Houston, I had the choice between, you know, there were so many commercial gyms and there were so many, like there was, there's like world famous gyms out there. Uh, you know, if you uh, follow powerlifting, there's a guy, uh, Russ Orhe, he trains out of uh, Alphalete in Houston. And I was like, ooh, maybe I should go to that gym where the famous powerlifter trains. And I looked it up, and from where I lived, which was, you know, uh, pretty much in the city, it was, like, way southeast of where I lived. It would have taken 45 minutes to get there every day. And I was like, no way. So I looked for some more, and there were a lot of gyms that were, like, you know, these really cool, really well-equipped places that were just so far from where I lived. And there's something to be said for, like, convenience really matters. And I ended up going with uh, a 24-hour fitness for the period of time where I lived there because it was just like a mile away. And as much as, you know, it would have been cool to train with, uh, you know, competition style plates or be around people who were like real strong, you know, I, I knew it was only like, you know, sort of temporary and uh, taking convenience into, into account is important. I mean, you know, if your gym is 45 minutes away, you probably might go, you know, a few times less per month. So that, that kind of like sparked something in my brain. Um, do you believe that it, convenience as in closer to your work is more important than closer to your home? Do you think that people would rather go to a gym that's closer to wor- where they work and go after work? Or would they rather have a gym closer to their house? Like, would they be more apt to go to the gym if it's closer to their home or closer to their work? I, I think that's, I mean, that's individual. You know, some people are uh, probably one way and some people are probably another. You know, I... Uh, where I, where I was talking about in Houston, the gym that I chose was really close to my house, but not close to any of the jobs that I had when I worked there or when I lived there. Uh, and in Albuquerque, the gym that I went to wasn't that close either. Uh, but I think that for me, it's closer to my home is what I prefer. But I think there's some people who uh, would prefer it closer to their work. I think for, I mean, for me, I guess I have a biased opinion because my work would be at gym. So if my, my, my work in gym were, you know, closer to my house, that'd be great. But mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I, I talked to my girlfriend about this quite a bit because she, she struggles with motivation sometimes, you know, she's in good shape. She loves, she likes working out, but you know, just motivation can be there. And so she lived an hour away from her work. So the commute was long and then her gym was pretty much at my house. We would work out together. And so that's a mile away from her house, but she would go to work, work, drive back, and then she would just be so tired she wouldn't be able to do it, you know. So I think I think that has to do a lot with, with you know, once you get out of work, if you want to work out after work, you have to get there. And so if it's two minutes away from your work, it's a lot easier than, you know, a twenty minute drive and then two minutes away from your house. Yeah, see, that's like that. That had me thinking because I I remember when I was training at Planet Fitness as a trainer, I would tell people um, who ha- who are lacking motivation because we would get human beings in there all the time who'd come talk to me and be like, I, I lack motivation. What do I do? Like, I don't want to go to the gym. And I'd always tell them, I'd say, you know what you need to do? Get a gym by your, by your work. And then on your way home, just sit in the parking lot. Eventually you'll walk into the gym. I'm like, if you don't go in the gym, just drive in the parking lot, sit there for like five minutes and then go. And, and someone came in, I want to say it was a month later and they go, you know what? I've done this every day for the past month. I've just sat in the parking lot and today's the day I came in the gym. <laughs> I felt really good about that, but I was like, why did it take you a month? And how did I see you just sitting in your car? Oh, like, God. Yeah, but they did it. And that's, and like you were saying is I feel like it's hard for some people to just drive home and then they want to, just, they want to do the like, Oh, I'll sit and eat and just take a break. And then I'll go to the gym and they just never leave their house. They just get trapped. Yeah, because I think what people fall in the trap into is I'm going to go home, take a shot or not even take a shot. I'm going to go home, put my workout stuff on, take a real quick bite, and then I'm going to go to the gym. And then you sit there in your nice recliner and you eat your meal and then you start getting lethargic and then you don't want to go to the gym anymore, you know? So just pack a real quick lunch, man. Just get it done. (laughs) Oh, man. This is so tough. It's hard. (laughs) But talking about eating and being lethargic. So do you want to just jump in the fad diets then? Do we want to just hit the the big meat and potatoes of of today's discussion? How do you feel about fad diets, peeps? Before we go into this, anyone who listens to this, take <laughs> note, we're not giving any dietary advice because if you take it and then die, I'm not liable. 
We did not tell you to do anything with your diet. I like the disclaimer on that one. I mean, I guess we, I got to start off with the biggest one that kills me. Um, the let's not eat carbs diet, which is actually pretty much everything I've ever heard. Oh, like, I'm going to do keto, which is kind of where it falls under the umbrella. If everyone's like, I'm going to do keto and I'm not going to eat carbs. And then I've had so many discussions. Sorry if I'm getting a little heated, but I've had so many discussions and I just kind of got to the point where I want to be, all right, we're just going to cut macronutrients out of your diet. Cool. Stop drinking water for the rest of your life. Once again, disclaimer, don't stop drinking water. I've said, I said that to someone. Someone was, was talking to me like, all right, can you stop drinking water? And they're like, no, I need that to live. I'm like, exactly. So why are you cutting out macronutrients out of your diet? And half of the people who I've conversed with about the keto diet don't understand the the harmful effects from having excess ketone bodies. They don't understand the the cycle. They don't know about getting blood work done, talking to your physician. Half of them just read a book. Actually, that's going a little far. Half of them went on Facebook, saw 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 that someone like if we're gonna be real, we're getting real. Went on Facebook, saw their their friend who lost ten pounds has has abs now, and said I've done keto, uh, keto and has no information backing it. And don't even want to try to research it. And every time I've asked, like, hey, what have you done to research this? They go, I didn't. I just thought you just cut, cut out carbs and that's it. And that, that kind of frustrates me. And that, that makes me wonder where these people have gotten this information from and why they're so hesitant to, to look it up for themselves or study it or even ask a professional. And when you ask a professional, I feel like they're even still reluctant to take their advice because they just they're just flooded with all this information about how this diet is the thing to do and that comes it's honestly just a modified atkins diet and if you ever read the atkins diet causes Mm -hmm. liver liver failure kidney failure half of the people have had heart attacks like it just caused so many harmful effects on your body is and it's research the stuff has been researched found to not work the way you want it to work (laughs) like like you're not just gonna lose a whole bunch of fat. Half of the time you lose muscle mass and bone density. So you're 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 not losing what you really want to lose. Your your body composition, which is so everyone body composition is what matters. Your body composition is not good. <laughs> uh, so I could talk about like each individual fat diet on their own, but like since you were just talking about keto, the way that I think about any of these you know fad diets or like specialty diets is that they're always sold as like the magic pill or like, you know, the magic thing, like, you know, you've been having trouble, you know, dieting and losing weight, but if you do this, then it's going to work. You know, you, if you can just cut out carbs entirely and only eat raw meat with your bare hands, like, you know, they, it's always like, you know, the only reason you haven't succeeded is because you haven't tried this. That's the problem that I have with all of these diets. And, you know, keto is a good example of that, is that, you know, people, people don't say like, you could do this and succeed. They don't say, you know, when they're, when they're talking about like, you know, my diet or this, this diet or that diet, it's like, oh, you could do this diet. You could be vegetarian. You could be vegan. You could try keto. You could, you know, have a Mediterranean diet. You could do this and, you know, succeed with your weight loss. They say the only reason you're not succeeding is because you're not doing this. And it's that kind of marketing that makes me like just so upset because it, it puts so many people out. And then when they try it, if they fail, then they think they're never going to be able to lose the weight. Keto is just, I, I mean, I don't agree with any diet that is radical. Like, you know, when it comes with any of these, uh, any of these bad diets, if you start describing it to someone and they start making a face, then, then it's not something I'm going to agree with. I mean, keto is one example, like the, the carnivore diet, something that's in the news these days. And that's, I mean, if you start describing it and it sounds not fun, if it sounds like you don't want to do it, if it's in an, like a radical change to the way that you're eating in terms of cutting out an entire group of food, like an entire macro, like you were saying, like, then I probably won't like it. I mean, you know, if someone, if someone told me they were going to go vegan, I, I would be like, Ooh, how are you going to do that to be healthy? If, you know, if I had a client that was telling me they're going to go vegan, I mean, it's very difficult to, you know, get all the micronutrients you need and the proper dis- distribution of macronutrients. And really the, the thing that I think when it comes to like diet that most people are just trying to do something that's too crazy because they don't want to do the, you know, the simpler thing of just 
tracking what they eat, being a little, you know, learning how big certain portion sizes are, prioritizing proteins and leaner things, and you know, going there. There's the most recent. I think it was 2015. The most recent dietary guidelines from uh, I think it's the FDA uh, for for Americans is just it's really good. It's like you know, aim for this much protein. You know, have this many servings of red meat, this many servings of fish, and it's just. It's not crazy. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't sound like a, a radical thing. And if your diet seems radical, then it's probably not going to be fun. If it's not fun, you're probably not going to be able to do it. If you're like, I'm going to go keto, but I love bread, it's not going to last long. That's yeah, that's that's super true, man. Mm. And I was going to say just to touch on that, too. I just wanted to say that a lot of the diets that come out, like the fad diets, were actually enacted for people at a certain caliber like we always mention like like high level athletes or high level this like if you're at the higher levels and you're trying to drop one percent body fat to get to a specific goal or you're trying to increase your your athletic edge or your competitive edge these diets can can help you under the right monitor like under monitoring what you do and the right advice and people overseeing what you're doing but if you're just like randomly cutting out macronutrients to lose 10 pounds when your are when your body fat percentage is at 35 and going to 34 isn't going to change how you look or how you feel that's a big difference than when you're a professional athlete and you're at eight percent body fat and you're going to six like if you're trying to hit a specific a specific mile time or a specific 40 time it changes whether you're just trying to have general health or you're trying to be at the top of your of your game so that's that's my feel too. Like, just add that in, like, because you Phil said that he he mentioned that for people it might it's not the same, and I felt like I left out that part where it's like higher athletes could use these, but if it might, it's not really for everyone. When you were talking about how different things work for different people, especially with body composition, if you have a thirty-five BMI and you want to lose weight with keto, it's not going to work that well because it just keto is not a viable way to have a diet. Whereas if you're at 8% going to six, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that if you cut out carbs and have zero, your body's going to shed water like crazy. So these people lose 10, 15 pounds real quick. And they're like, oh my goodness, keto is amazing. And then that's when your body kind of starts kicking into starvation mode saying, you know, where are my carbohydrates? Where's my fuel? And then all these other health adversities start kicking in. And, you know, and I think that's why people don't listen to professionals is because their friend goes and loses 15 pounds and you know in two weeks and says, Hey, I lost 15 pounds. This is awesome. They oh. they that's that's good enough for them. You know what I mean? That's okay because it's it that they watch that first person. I watch my friend go to keto and lose 15 pounds. They don't know it's because it's all the water weight they just shred in a week. Mm. You know, they think it's because it works. Yeah, and there's um like you were saying with the special populations, like like elite athletes. Have you ever seen uh like one of those uh world's strongest man full day of eating videos where they're like you know, here's the part where I eat 15 eggs and five, like 12 pieces of bacon and six pieces of toast. And, you know, it's like everyone has to uh, take into account, like, you know, what are you doing in a day? You know, what are you, like, what are your goals? If you're, you know, like you're talking like someone who's just like a person who's generally trying to get more healthy, then your diet shouldn't be something that's really out there to just be like, you know, generally healthy eat some vegetables have a good distribution of proteins and eat a little less so that you're able to lose weight you know you shouldn't be trying to do something that's like you know the one weird trick like you know the one weird trick is just to eat a little less yeah that's that's something big that i i try to push for with all my clients and and explain to them um is that if you're going for general weight loss it's it's calories in versus calories out. It's mm-hmm. it, there's no there's no magic science to this. There's no magic pill. It's literally record which what you eat. Re- figure out what works for you, what foods you like, and what you're going to eat. I like all my three basic rules of dieting have has always been: if you can't read it, don't eat it. So if there's no nutrition facts on on anything, no nutrition labels, you probably shouldn't put that in your body because you're not going to know what you're fueling yourself with. And it could be a whole bunch of harmful stuff, or it could be too much. You you might be eating four servings of something, and you're thinking you're getting one. And one of the biggest, um, I want to say, offenders of this were the Lenny and Larry cookies. Have you guys ever had one of those? Yeah, yeah, those were 
Those are bad. Real, yeah. real bad. <laughs> <laughs> so on the package, it says, like in big letters, it's all marketing. On the package in big letters, it says 16 grams of protein per cookie, super delicious birthday cake flavor. You flip it over to the back and you read a nutrition label. It's actually two servings and it's 200 calories per serving. So one cookie is oh, 400. Yeah, so people are just mowing down cookies thinking that they're you're like, oh, I got my 16 grams of protein. Like, this is great. And then you look on the back yeah. and it says like for two, you cut the cookie in half and no one does that. And that's really what gets people is that they might be eating too much. And that's like why I said, if you can't read it, don't eat it. Calories in versus calories out. Make sure you record what you what you eat. And my last one, which is the biggest thing that I, I try to stress the most with my clients and just the most with people in general, is that food is food. There's no breakfast food. There's no lunch food. There's no dinner. There's no like such thing as dessert. You can honestly eat an omelet for breakfast. You can eat chicken parmesan at six in the morning. If, if that's what you're going to eat and, and use to fuel your body, do that. I would rather someone eat chicken parmesan than crush four bowls of cereal in the morning because they they don't want to eat quote-unquote dinner foods at breakfast time but yeah you're eating seven servings of of cinnamon toast crunch now i love cinnamon toast crunch and i don't want to hate on it but but usually people eat things that are high calorie and that goes back to days of like farming where people would be farming all day and they had to eat gigantic breakfast now most people are riding in their car for an hour before they get to work sitting at a desk or doing minimal activity, you don't need to eat 1000 calories in the morning. Like it's not necessary. That's, that's the hardest part about dieting for me is when I, when I hear those, those kind of, that kind of talk. And that's why I try to stress on a lot is like pick something you enjoy to eat and just make mm-hmm. sure you understand how many calories you're burning and how many calories you're taking it. I just can't stress that enough. Yeah. I'll make like sample meals for people and I'll have, steak uh twice baked potato and some asparagus and it's like five six hundred calories and they look at me with this huge these huge eyes like how did you get 600 calories out of a steak and and potato dinner it's like well if you think about it a a serving of steak is only what four to six ounces it's half of what you get in um in a restaurant you know it's it's literally a a deck of cards and then you go to a restaurant you get two three servings of of meat and then your twice baked potato one one potato is 110 calories why why is your twice baked potato a thousand calories well let's look at the sour cream the butter the bacon bits the what are you putting in there you know and and what do you cook your asparagus on do you grill it do you put it you bake it you know there's so many different things you can do you know like you said dion find something you like and, and eat it and make sure you know what serving size is for that that thing you like you know you can't sit there and eat three pounds of salmon and go Whew, that was good that was only 400 pounds or 400 calories of salmon yeah i think there's a lot of uh aspects to look at in terms of like behavior change too because it's like if you're if you're talking to someone about like how to change their diet some people respond really well to like slow change and some people respond very well to like a hard reset and some people it's like all right you know here's exactly how you should be eating start on monday and then they go grocery shopping Sunday and then they're, you know, they, they stick to the plan and they're doing it and then they're just, they're there. And for some people, you know, giving up all those things that they were used to will be too psychologically difficult. And you got to think of like, you know, if you're not one of those people who handles, you know, switching your diet really quickly, well, then you could try doing it much slower. Try like, you know, okay, this week, you know, normally I have like three beers at the end of the night. Let's go down to one. Normally I have like a bowl of ice cream every night. Let's only do every other night. You know, if you can make change in a positive direction, even if it's not a big change, you'll get used to it. You'll learn like, all right, maybe I'll have, uh, you know, I'll stick with the ice cream every night, but I'll do one scoop instead too. You know, if you can start making positive changes, then, you know, you can keep going on that, you know, road towards success and you can finding whatever works for you. You know, if you're, if you're doing it, or I'm doing it, or anyone out there is trying to find, you know, how how can I make a healthy diet work for me? You know, that's the question you have to answer. You, know, you don't want to like read a, a book on dieting, uh, you know, eating a, a traditionally Indian diet when you're an Italian person from New York City. You know, you're gonna be you're gonna be like, well, I don't know how to eat, I don't know how to cook biryani. So, you know, how do I like what's the serving size of chicken parm? 
you know, like, I don't have enough time to make breakfast in the morning, you know, like finding, finding what the, uh, the right way for you just with just like with exercise, you know, not everyone's going to be a power lifter. Not everyone is going to like the, you know, Mediterranean diet or, you know, not everyone likes carrots. Maybe they like, you know, one thing and not another. You know, if you tell someone like, you gotta eat kale and they're like, well, I don't like kale. So I guess I'm just going to keep eating Big Macs. You know, it's, you got to find the the way of getting to a healthy diet that works for you. And it's uh, just like finding that for exercise. It's all individual. There's the, uh, I'm going to start calling them philisms. There's the philism of the episode because yeah. he dropped it. That's again, another okay. bombshell. It's all about behavioral change. I feel like that's the craziest thing too, is that people get so down on themselves because they don't have a six pack and they don't eat what they're supposed to. And they don't have the job they're supposed to, you know, you Phil's about to get me again to life now. Like, you know, your girlfriend hates you. Everything sucks. It's all a behavioral change. You know, you're not going to get in shape in two weeks by drinking cabbage soup and by, you know, starving yourself and just getting on the treadmill for four hours a day. You know, it's going to take those behavioral change, those behavioral modifications to not only get you in shape, not only get you on the right diet, but to get you through college, to get you through a tough relationship, to get you through an abuse, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, those, yes. Phil, with the Philism, once again. Yeah. Can we get a round of applause? Thank you. Yeah, no, that's true. Micro changes in, in behavior are, are the key to success. You have to have small victories, right? Like You, you can't just expect yeah. to one day go from – from eating 3000 calories to eating 1500 and, and feeling like you're able to conquer the world. Things, things have to happen in micro stages and you have to kind of work through them together. And it's really, it's really hard sometimes. It's it's actually probably one of the hardest things because I had that struggle when I was dieting um, years back. It feels like years back, but it was about, about a year ago I was trying to bulk and Andrew could attest. I was like 155. And I'm like, I'm gonna make it to 185. I'm gonna do it. One day I'll get there. So I started, you know, like every year I would bulk for a whole year straight. I wouldn't do the winter bulk season where I just eat like crap. I would slowly increase my calories every two months in a in a periodization and had my whole plan set out. Every two months I'll just increase my calories, increase my calories, and then I hit 165. And I was so happy. And I was like, I'm never gonna be able to get get to like 175 and then I took a year off just trained normally then once again started bulking again and eventually before I moved out to Buffalo that's what I ended up doing was I'm like all right I'm gonna take these next two years I'm just gonna steadily increase my calories train x amount of days a week to whatever my program is and I'm gonna get to 185 and I hit it and it was it was a lot more difficult than just the all right I'm gonna put on 15 pounds in the summer like let's go (laughs) and it was just micro changes to the diet, micro changes to my training, and it's it's so it's so hard. Like it's you really got to do what works for you, and it's definitely good to get a professional opinion on what works for you and like how they can help you or what you they might be able to see that you're not seeing. Yeah, for sure. And I know, like for what you just said, you really took your diet and scaled it the way you're supposed to very, you know, it went upwards at a very, very nice, you know, incline and, and you had your calories go up every, every two months and you stayed consistent. And that worked for you because you had, you know, a good mental attitude about getting to 185. On the opposite side of that, me being who I am, having that, like, I have a very, very hyper competitive mentality. I am a very anything, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. So when I first got into the, I want to reach my goal of 300 pounds body weight, that was about three years ago. And I was sitting at 185 and I went from 185 to 220 in about four months. And my blood pressure was 160 over 120. Um, My eyes were yellow. The only thing I could do, I couldn't reach down and I'm not even going to say touch my toes. I could not reach down and touch my kneecaps. The only thing I could do was squat, bench, and deadlift. And I had a 550 some odd pound squat. You know, I'm not saying it didn't, it did not work. It did not work. It got me strong, but it did not work. And I literally was going to die. I was going to die. 
got that all figured out. Never even got on, on medication, just ended up really fixing my diet, got back down to 185 because clearly it was all fat. I put zero muscle on. And then from 2017 until now, I did pretty much what Dion's done. And I've gone from 185 to 220, same, same spread over three years. And my blood pressure is 112 over 73. My eyes, I can see, I, <laughs> like if I used to wake up and, and I would think I was having a stroke. Like my, my, like I would wake up and I'm serious. Like I'm, I was literally killing myself to, to get to 300 pounds body weight, not realizing that great things take time, man. Like if I got to 300 pounds, what would I have, what would I have done? Squatted 600 and then died. I'd rather get to 320 years and then squat a thousand and then die. Why is like, everything like you were die? just saying, no matter what, I got to die, but it depends on how I do it, you know? And that kind of all brings this whole conversation back around to the original point of these fad diets and how you can't maintain a fad diet. Because I'm not saying my diet was a fad diet, but it was definitely a fuck skinny gay huge diet. And I followed it to a T and turns out the person who wrote it was kind of an idiot. And I'm happy. I, I don't know, man. It, it was, it was definitely an interesting time. Cause like I said, there's people who go in the gym, they're not motivated and they don't want to do it. I think motivation is bullshit. I think discipline is what's going to get you anywhere you want in life, which is why I liked what Phil said about behavioral modification. That being said, you can't be disciplined in the wrong craft to do your research and make sure you're not following this rabbit down the rabbit hole and getting yourself on, you know, keto, the Atkins, uh, these all liquid diets, you know, intermittent fasting, even is a little scary. And you just have to really just change your behavior day by day, work a little bit, get 1% better because in hundred days will be hundred percent better. So it's not that long. It does not take that much. I honestly don't have a problem with intermittent fasting in some forms, but it's, you know, it, it can be done poorly just like all the other things. Uh, and like you were saying about, um, discipline and motivation, you know, you can be as motivated as possible, as disciplined as possible, but if you're putting up a bunch of roadblocks by giving yourself a really difficult diet to stick to, then it's going to take you a lot more discipline than if you slowly get there and find out what way is best for you, you know, finding that individual best diet will take less discipline to stick to because you'll have found those healthy foods that you enjoy more. And there's some information that I think a lot of people don't know that, you know, people who are uh, generally more stressed tend to eat more when they're like, you know, having like a, a more stressful time. People who sleep less tend to have uh, less favorable outcomes when it comes to diets. Uh, there was a, a study that I read once where people on identical diets without getting too much into exactly how they did it. They had one group sleeping a normal amount, you know, eight hours-ish. And they had another group sleeping, like, I think it was like four or five hours. And they all lost weight. And it was about the same amount of weight that they lost. But the group that wasn't sleeping enough lost 50% uh, fat, 50% uh, lean mass. And then the group that was sleeping enough lost like 80 or 90% fat and like 10% lean mass. And if you're trying to lose weight, you know, you're like, say you're like 250 and you want to get down to 200. And you, you know, you do lose those 50 pounds, but you lose uh, 10 pounds of fat and 40 pounds of muscle, then you're still not going to be in a great place. And there's also research on, you know, if you try to do any of it, like you were saying, what was it, four months and 40 pounds? If you try to do any of it too fast, yeah, you'll have uh, negative outcomes. You know, if you try to gain weight too fast, you're not going to be gaining the right kind of weight. And it's the same thing with losing weight. You know, if you're trying to gain muscle, you can't do like 100 pounds in a year, you just, you know, you're not going to be gaining muscle, you can begin more fat, there's certain research on, you know, how much muscle you can gain per month, uh, you know, even if you're training as much as possible, you know, and the same thing goes for losing weight, too, you know, if you lose too much weight too quickly, then you're gonna be losing muscle too. And like Dion said, it's not about weight, you know, you could be healthy at 200 and unhealthy at 150. You know, it's about body composition. You know, you want to be losing body fat when you're trying to lose weight. You don't want to be losing muscle. You want to be like a healthy, capable, like fit person. You know, whatever that means to you, whether that's, you know, being able to run a little bit or do a little bit in the gym or <clears throat> being more capable when you're like playing with your kids. You know, if you would rather lose all the fat and still be able to like pick up your, you know, 
kids as they're getting older and being more able. And that doesn't come from, you know, losing all the muscle that is on your body. Yeah, one uh, article I actually read, and I'll put the article in the description because I can't name it right now. But the the coach was saying uh, that is actually detrimental to your health if you lose more than 1% of your body weight a week. So if you're a 200-pound individual and you lose more than two pounds in a week, that's not good, not good at all. And so I think that's important for people out there who – you know, hop on a diet and lose 10 pounds in a week. It's like, you need to really, really understand what you're doing to yourself because it's not, it's not good. No. And that's why I tell people who I train, look at body composition. Don't look at the scale because if you lose six inches in your waist, but still weigh the same, you're going to, you're going to hate yourself. You're not going to realize that six inches just fell off your waist. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough concept to, to understand for people who kind of get flooded by, by imagery and, internet facts like oh you need to like phil said way earlier like you need to lose this this is a proper diet you need to lose this amount of weight to be the best you you will ever be but it and in reality the best you that you could be is losing five percent body fat and still staying at the exact same weight you're at it's just that now your body it functions better and and you feel better your blood pressure is down your (laughs) your oxygen is up like you're you're doing everything correct in a in a manner that helps your your own personal goals and your own personal being but yet the scale might not reflect an overall body weight you know your body mass <laughs> is not always the thing that you need to focus on um and that's just i, I think that's just hard in, in the era that we live in where and where the information is hit is sent at you at such a high rate that you you lose the the things that mean the most. You're just like, oh, drop 20 pounds. I need to lose 20 pounds. My doctor told me I need to lose 20 pounds, but he didn't tell me when I need to lose 20 pounds by. That must be the way I got to go. And the next thing you know, you're just like, you, like you said, you fell down the rabbit hole, but the rabbit hole is this big like dungeon where you're just trapped now and you're upset because you don't know how to get out of it. <laughs> and you just sort of took a little bit more time to just, to just like weed out. And it's hard for people to weed that stuff out too. Uh, me researching the 30 minutes I did for this episode, 2013, the cotton ball diet came out where people were saying that you should eat five cotton balls before your meal. So your, your stomach would be more inflated and you wouldn't get full and the cotton balls would be zero calories. I don't know how people got off of that, but the cotton balls were actually, were actually, um, creating intestinal blockages and killing people because your body can't digest cotton like that. And so what you said, you know, take the take the minute and research and realize what you're looking at actually isn't because if I went to the person who asked me for personal training and they're like, "Hey, can you got some diet advice?" Like, "Listen to this, bud. I got the thing for you. You eat 5 cotton balls before each meal, you're going to lose weight." Who's going to think that's a great idea, you know? And but people were dying in 2013 because you just bought cotton balls made you lose weight. And then like, I, you know, there's the, the cabbage soup diet where you just, you drank water, uh, distilled with cabbage and that was, and you did that for a week and you're supposed to lose all this weight. And it's like, do you really want to make that drastic of a change in a week to just go back to your original self? Like you're, you're going to harm your, do way more harm than good. God, you know what the, you saying that, um, kind of brought to my attention, I, something I don't think we've, we wrote in our, our discussion topics, but something I kind of want to talk about and see how you guys feel about it. So weight loss surgeries, right? Mm-hmm. That's not in here, but that's something that I, I've come in contact with, obviously as a trainer, and it, it that those kind of make me a little bit more sad than most because I've I've heard stories about people getting like gastric bypass surgery, and then still not changing their eating habits and either dying because they they eat like their stomach expands too much and they they're like it ruptures, or they just gain all the weight back and then now they they can't eat correctly to lose the weight because they don't their stomach is is damaged like weight loss surgeries i guess like if you need it and you're at that stage where it's it's vital to your life to get it but i've definitely heard of people getting and and talk to people who who are just like 100 pounds overweight you know they didn't need it wasn't that necessary they just didn't want to do the work to so they got the surgery but they never changed their eating habits like how do you I got, yeah, I got something real quick on that because I actually just had this conversation with my girlfriend yesterday about what I thought about gastric. To make the comparison as simple as possible, 
I'm not going to talk about my bank account, but my bank account definitely doesn't have a bunch of money in it. I'm not by any means rich, you know? So if you were to take my bank account and put $10 million in it and say, okay, you're rich now, go have fun. I'm not going to have $10 million in probably a couple of years. You don't know how to spend money. You don't know how to be rich. That being said, you take someone who's 350 pounds and you take maybe 75 pounds off them and then make their stomach the size of an apple. You know, and then tell them now you have to change your eating habits and your your sedentary lifestyle. You're going to sit there and you're going to get that, quote unquote, 10 million dollars because you just lost all that weight and you're happier than a pig and shit. But then you don't know how to be a, quote unquote, millionaire. So you just go back to those old lifestyle habits, you know, kind of like what you were saying, Phil, with the behavioral change. You can't just you, like if I were to make behavioral changes and then go be a millionaire. I would probably be a lot more successful than just winning the lottery. That being said, if you make those behavioral changes and become very, very good in shape, you're going to be obviously much more successful than just losing the weight. I think that uh, the way that you were putting it is, uh, I like that metaphor. Uh, I think you put it really well. It's You can't rely solely on a doctor because it's still your body. And you can't rely solely on surgery for you know almost anything. You know, if you think about like... Uh, torn ligament or something and they have it like you know reattached surgically you know that's not the end of you know you're not better you know you still have to do physical therapy and then you have to like uh work on getting your like you know if it was your like left knee or something you gotta work on getting your left leg to like be back to uh, have, having symmetrical strength the right leg and it's the same thing with uh with like spending habits and like investing and it would be the same thing with eating and behavioral habits is, you know, you can't just rely on a surgery or just rely on a doctor. You're the one who, who you're your body, you know, you can't like rely on other people to solve your problems for you. And, you know, it's, it's not like we're blaming people who are overweight, but it's that like, when you're trying to make these changes, they have to be, uh, you know, some, some people really do need those surgeries, but it's twofold. You got to get the surgery and make those changes. And sometimes the the doctors who do it are really good about making sure someone like has tried those behavioral changes and they're already on the right path and they're just like skipping a couple steps and you know maybe they they do it well and they keep going. But a lot of people they rely on it solely. They're like, all right, I'm gonna get you know this. They're just gonna take the weight off, shrink my stomach, and then I'm just gonna be able to eat whatever I want. And really, it's it's supposed to help you get better habits but it doesn't do it for you. And it, it goes the same way with uh, like cholesterol. You know, some people take medications for cholesterol because, you know, diet and exercise and lifestyle habits can only do so much. But that doesn't mean that those people who take those medications shouldn't still be trying to, you know, eat, eat well and be active. You know, it's, you got to take charge of your own life. You, you said it uh, about like the healthy diet, like the healthy eating habits and stuff. Um, I've gotten multiple clients who like had these surgeries and they would always bring me in their paperwork from their doctor and they gave them a full diet plan from their, they had them speak to a nutritionist and it was pretty much like, Hey, now, now you have to eat this for the rest of your life. Like you can't have rice because it expands too much in your stomach and it can cause issues. You can't eat this amount of pasta because it's going to cause issues in your gastrointestinal tract because it doesn't get broken down because it bypasses your your stomach goes to your large intestine like things like that and it's just like at that point now you're limiting your lifestyle and like are you are you gaining quality of life from it and and could you could you have not done these same tactics or these followed this same diet plan previous to this you know (laughs) yeah and i think the scary part about gastric it's only like a 10 percent success rate if not even lower than that don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure the success rate's only about 10%. I mean, even if it's under 50, like that's that's not a good percentage to spend that much money on surgery and then have it maybe not work. Yeah, and that's the, I mean, and you know, that's the thing too with the behavioral changes. A lot of these people have to go through and actually, you know, do courses and sign up for classes, and um, it just you know, it's not enough. Yeah. So. Um, Someone mentioned it at one point that um, like fad diets includes uh, intermittent fasting, and uh, I've heard some people, some like very smart people in the fitness industry, talk about it because it's actually like the way some people do it is more common than you would think. Because a lot of people, you know, 
you wake up, you have a cup of coffee for breakfast, and you don't eat till lunch. And then, you know, if you have lunch at noon and dinner at six, that's pretty, you know, pretty restricted feeding window. But like people aren't thinking about it. So it's not like they're doing it even on purpose. And uh, I don't think that like any of these other things, I don't think that it's like the silver bullet of weight loss. You know, it's not the thing that will get you there. You know, like Dion said, it's uh, it's calories in, calories out. If not eating breakfast helps you restrict your calories because, you know, you're not really hungry in the morning, but you're hungry at lunch. But if you're only having two meals, then you're able to like, you know, lose weight better than if you had a third. And, you know, that's how it works for you. And, you know, there's a lot of ways that, uh, you know, people can get to that healthy diet. And I, I just wanted to bring up the intermittent fasting thing because I don't I don't think that it's inherently wrong as a, you know, a method. But like a lot of these other things and like a lot of these bad diets, you know, it's it's not about uh, does it work or doesn't it work? It's that it, it could work. It's not the only way, you know, if having like, you know, restricted carbs works for you, if cutting meat out works for you, you know, just thinking that like anything could work. There's no silver bullet. There's no, you know, magic pill. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a problem with the way that it's marketed. Yeah. I No, I agree 100%. I actually almost didn't put in um, intermittent fasting because for me, intermittent fasting has a lot more research behind it than a lot of other diets. Um, the only reason why I did put mm -hmm. it in is because I wanted you guys' two cents on how the pendulum swings with intermittent fasting. Because sometimes, mm -hmm. like you said, you know, technically speaking, you're fasting if you're eating at noon and eating dinner at, at six, then maybe even having a snack at eight. Right. Because at, from eight until noon, you know, that's 16, 17 hours of not eating, which is pretty much intermittent fasting. But then I see these people who will go 22 hours without eating and then give them a two hour time window. Or even a, I've seen I've seen people do a 48 hour um, a 48 hour fast and then give them four hours to eat. And so I know, you know, let's say you go 12 to 16 hours without eating. That's intermittent fasting. And I that I don't mind. But it's the people who really push the intermittent fasting to the to the limit, quote unquote limit, because I think that's way past the limit that kind of made me put them in because I just wanted to, you know, get your guys' two cents on the marketing of, of intermittent fasting, not so much the, I, we can go into science behind it too, but more so the marketing. Well, yeah, I just, I just want to get you on that one. Cause like, that's true. And like Phil said, like at the very beginning, if you're ever talking about a diet and your eyes open up and you're like, uh, I'm not going to eat for the next two days. People like to throw the extremes because they want people to think it's some impossible thing. And, and that, that it's it's the next level. It's it's something that's so impossible, but like if you pay for it, you can do it. And intermittent fat, intermittent intermittent fasting. I've done that. Um, I guess subconscious, unconsciously. Like Phil said, I would go to magic tournaments and I'd play a whole tournament for like six hours, but then I'd eat like a lot in the morning and a lot right after the tournament. So like for that whole six hour window, I didn't eat. And I'm kind of like, but I'm still getting my calories in before and after and two, two larger meals. So it, it comes, it comes about depending on how, how well, like it's programmed and just like everything. It's like, how much, how much time and effort did you put into understanding your body, understanding what works for you, the amount of calories you need. Um, like for the longest time I wasn't doing like calories per day. I was doing calories per week and seeing how many calories I like I need for the whole week. And some days I would eat, you know, let's say I miss a meal or something. I eat 1500, but I eat 2000 on the next day. My overall caloric consumption for the week is still at X amount. So if I'm trying to drop a pound of fat and I know I need to look to not to, um, remove 4,000 calories or subtract, I mean, 4,000 calories from my weekly diet, which comes out to like 500 a day. I know at the end of the seven days, like where, what my caloric consumption needs to be. And I feel like it just comes down to knowing your body, knowing what works for you and understanding the process. If it seems so like radical where you're like, 
oh, so I don't eat for 48 hours and then I have three hours to eat as much food as possible. Like, I don't even think I could eat. I, I love buffets. Like, I love me some Texas Day Brazil. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Within that hour, I don't think I eat enough to pay for, to pay for or not. I don't eat enough to get my money's worth. Like, I cannot eat that much within even an hour, let alone two hours of straight feasting. Like, it's no possible way for me. So I guess I get what you're saying, but it just to that to me seems very outlandish. Like 48 hours is so long. I completely agree. I didn't know anyone did 48 hours, and that I my eyes did, really did go wide when you said that. Um, it's it's crazy. I, I didn't know people were were really doing that. Uh, yeah, I, I agree about how like like the pendulum swings. You know, there's there's a way to do a diet and have it be just too far in that direction. You know, there's nothing wrong with intermittent fasting if you're doing it in a reasonable way, but there's nothing wrong with any diet if you're doing it in a quote unquote reasonable way. And, you know, I agree. I don't think I could eat two days worth of food in two hours. I I don't think I would ever want to. That doesn't sound like fun. And then I wouldn't stick to the diet. Dr. Nun Aman Ra, he's the guy that, yeah, he'll fast for 48 hours and he gives him like a two, three, four hour window. He said that he used to do it for 22 and then give himself the two hour window. And he said that wasn't enough. (laughs) He said that intermittent fasting boosts testosterone more than any, anything you could ever do. And just his logic to me seems so outlandish. And I just, I don't know. I don't know what his, uh, his deal is, but yeah, like I said, man, you, 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 cause he's incredibly good shape. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if he was on gear, but steroids gear meaning steroids um i wouldn't be surprised if he's on that and just you know you see this big man who's lifting a lot of weight going i don't eat for two days and i only you know eat for four days after or four hours after that these these people who aren't in good shape are going to listen and they're going to hurt themselves and then you you have the i mean he probably doesn't care but i would have my conscience couldn't live with that like hey you yeah go do Go do this, and then they die, or go into ketosis and, and die. It's like I, how would you, how can you live with yourself after that? It's people like that that give the title doctor a bad name. You know, when you when you see someone talking about this kind of thing, and you're like, but you got doctor in front of your name, like doctor or what? Like, do you really know what you're talking about? I mean, there's there's a couple other people in the in the fitness industry that you know I'm not going to name them now because you know we're not we're not famous enough to be starting <laughs> podcast beefs. But, uh, you know, the kind of person who's like, you know, I've got a, a doctor of physical therapy. So I, you know, listen to me when I tell you to do what nobody else in the industry says to do. And people listen sometimes. And they, they, you know, people who have credentials that should make them more trustable, they do the least scrupulous things. I mean, you know, maybe maybe it's just because they one day they woke up and they were like, you know what? I think I'd rather make more money than I care about people's lives. When you said the doctor, you know, you can have a doctor who doesn't have any credentials. I mean, you can have a doctorate in English and then go out and have Dr. Andrew Beckham and then go out and be a fitness professional. Dr. Andrew Beckham, no one's going to ask what my credentials are, but I'm a doctor. So listen to me and take my dietary advice. Yeah, it's funny that that guy's out there telling people not to eat for 48 hours and how, like, I don't know if people are still doing it, but, like, the the fad back, like, 10 years ago was, like, you got to eat every two hours, every 90 minutes, you know, to keep your protein timing, your anabolic windows, and people were, like, bringing Tupperwares with them everywhere, and this guy, uh, that doctor's out there, like, no, 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 don't eat every 90 minutes, just eat almost (laughs) never. That's me. I was a Tupperware guy forever. Like, (laughs) Tupperware everywhere. But then again, at that point, it was once again eating for how I train. I was hyperactive. Caloric need for bulking was 4,000 calories. I was playing two hours of soccer a night, working out six days a week, working two jobs. And I'm like, all right, people, like, someone's, something's got to make a concession somewhere. I got to eat all this food. But once again, that worked for me because I was hyperactive. But it doesn't work for everyone. I heard a lot of trainers in my day be like, Hey, you need to eat every three hours. And someone's like, what do you mean? I, I can barely eat twice a, a day. Like why, how am I supposed to eat five times now? They're like, no, nah, you got to, you got to get your protein. You got to get your macros in. And I'm like, macros, that's the same thing as, as calories, man. Like you're, you base the math off calories. So yeah. why are you, you selling this person on something that's, that's the same as if you were to tell them, Hey, here's your caloric diet. This is your caloric deficit. Like enjoy some food. 
Yeah, for sure. And I got, I mean, you know this, Dion, I got the same problem as you when it comes to being like skinny. Cause you and I in high school were little lads, bro. Or you, you came from the chunkier side when you were a little kid, right? And then oh, you yeah. got super skinny. Yeah. And then you got super skinny. <laughs> I, just, I was just always skinny, skinny, man. And I remember when I was in what, like, you know, 16, 17, 18, being 165 pounds and just eating everything I possibly could. And people being like, well, you just don't have the genetics to get big, brother. I'm sorry. You're just never going to get big. And people told me that. And then now I'm at 220, 230, and I get these people who are like, oh, you're just big. You don't know what it's like being this size. And I just want to punch people in the head because no matter what I do, I'm not, I don't know what I'm talking about because six years ago when I was 160, yeah. 170 pounds, like, that, you never be big. And now that I'm a little bit bigger, it's like, oh, you, you, you just always look like that. <laughs> Can I, I want to share the story with the, with the chat because I think you guys will laugh at this. So I've been, in, I've been in Buffalo for about three years now. And when I first came up here, like I said, I weighed, 158 and i had my first doctor's appointment got weighed went through the whole process i got weighed by my doctor and the nurse looks at me she goes oh you weigh you weigh 185 now and she goes you know you've put on 20 pounds since you since you've been here and we just kind of like i looked at him like really she goes yeah she goes are you trying to do that and i was like yes and we kind of had a little laugh with each other she goes oh yeah you're a trainer right and i was like yeah i am she goes <laughs> like so it was even in that situation it's like kind of like the little giggle we had with each other about that i was like <laughs> like we did it like nice job like she even like slightly congratulated me and i was so i was so happy see and that oh man i have actually really i have a similar story because i went in the doctors and i was about two uh, 231 is my heaviest i've ever been and it happened to be the one day i went to the doctors and i was 231 and this doctor looks at me, he's like, boy, he's like, you, you've gained like 50, 60 pounds in, in, in about three years. And I was like, yes, sir, I have. He goes, you trying to do that? And I was like, yeah. He goes, all right, well, we still need to get you with a dietary consultation because I was still too heavy for him. At that point, I was considered obese. So I was past the point of gains. And now I was a medical, uh, <laughs> I wasn't good no more. What's going on, guys? That was the Fitness Roundtable with Andrew, K-Man Barbell, Phil, Yoss Training, and Dion, Active Gamer Fitness. The roundtable is more of a discussion than anything. We hope you've enjoyed. Leave a like and subscribe. Stay fit, stay strong, stay educated.